You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Welcome back, dear listeners, to episode two of Federation Conversations, or FedCon. Our panelists have returned, and as earthly summer approaches, let me reintroduce them to you with their plans for relaxation. Captain Robinson only ever enjoys his downtime in ballads. When not performing his duties in the USS Maestro's captain's chair, Maestro Robinson can be seen and heard in the semi-aquatic opera house on the Floston Extravagance cruise ship. On one of the captain's most memorable experiences from Floston Extravagance, he worked with Diva Plava Laguna just months before her tragic death aboard the Floston Paradise in the arms of Corbin Dallas. In fact, he personally arranged her greatest performance ever, the Diva Dance. His pronouns are he, they. Admiral... That was my Floston music. <laughs> Admiral Lunsford unwinds by reading Shakespeare like every other high-ranking official in Starfleet because he doesn't watch the other admirals making jokes he doesn't get. He also enjoys accidentally creating sentient holodeck sparkly vampires, like when he wanted a more intelligent antagonist for his Twilight program. When asked about the origination for his idea, he proclaimed his love for Bram Stoker and hopes no one finds his volume two of Stephanie Meyer autobiography, which he keeps under his pillow. His pronouns are he, him. <laughs> and Luke's- as close as it gets. Lieutenant Commander Beachboard. For her downtime, she likes to play pranks on other instructors at Starfleet Academy. Her prolific career began when she infested the Kobayashi Maru program with tribbles. Her latest involved a holographic projection of her academic arch nemesis, Professor Manipold, which Im- imitated the bombastic professor with great exaggeration and on a two-second delay, and just behind the professor's line of sight. It wasn't until a student filmed the goings-on that the professor realized there were two of him in the room, himself and a full-size caricature of himself. Next week, she plans to replace all the academic team trophies in the Great Hall with Rycian Horgon statues. It's going to be a good day. Her pronouns are she, her. (laughs) Oh, y'all, we are talking about the season finale of Picard. And episode one of Strange New Worlds. Now, spoilers abound. If you haven't seen those episodes, come back when you have. We'll be here for you. All right. Uh, immediate thoughts about Picard, y'all. What do you think? Just just emotions. Um, wow. Um, unexpectedly moving. Yeah. Um, surprising. Touching enjoyable so you all do do you feel like you were surprised at with the last episode because of other emotions you were feeling in the rest of the season 
I think that was part of it. I didn't. I don't think I expected to feel as um, connected with it uh, in in the finale as I did. I felt that the final episode was it introduced something that wasn't there before. So the whole relationship between Q and Picard has always been kind of adversarial. And I always thought of um, Q as Loki. Like he is yes. the, mm-hmm. the the lovable trickster. Like that's that was his only existence. Like he's a god and he's bored. And he's just like, I'm going to screw with this bald-headed dude, you know? Because he gets really, really mad and yells at me in this proper British accent. Like, so that was my, that was what I thought their relationship was. And then in the very end, you find out that that's not what it is. And, like, I, I, the problem that I'm having with this is, like, when I watch something, if it, it has some sort of emotion that resonates with me, that automatically clouds my judgment on the thing. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, they made, me fe- they made me feel feelings, and now I can't hate it. <laughs> and it's not that I hate it. Let me be clear. I just, it was, there, there was nothing pointing to this before. But it does make a lot of sense why Q was always hanging around John Luke. And why he always tested him the way he did. It, it was just, it was very, it was very moving. I liked what it did. I like what it set up, but I'm going to be brutally honest here. Uh, I am a hundred percent here for Will Wheaton because let me tell you, yes. <laughs> I did not, when they announced that they were doing season three and it was going to have all of the original Trek uh, cast back, I was like, oh, dope, except for Will Wheaton. I'm like, what? And I was mad. And I was like, this is kind of messed up, but you know what? How's Will doing with it? Will was cool. But it turns out he was cool because he was sitting on some big news. And, like, him coming back as a traveler was so rewarding. I squealed. I literally squealed when he came in and said he was a traveler. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. It was the best surprise of the season, I think. Um, And and especially in the way it played out uh, publicly, you know, with what we did and didn't know, it, it was even better. Because it yeah. really was this feeling of like, oh my gosh, Will Wheaton got slighted. And it's like, what happened? It's like, oh, Will Wheaton played us. Ah. And, and it was nice. That was that was really nice. I, I you know, kind of just dovetailing into that. I I guess I just wanted to see a glimpse, a tale of something more with where Dodge was projected to end up and all of that like it was great that they had their moment i'm like okay cool she's gonna join that that journey of it but i i don't know i wanted like some glimmer of it within that last you know minute two minute sequence of just kind of wrapping everything up yeah i i i see what you yeah i see what you mean and like if anything if this is the um teaser to a new series a will wheaton series like uh, of keeping the fabric Ooh. of time together, Star Trek Time Lords, basically. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here for it. Well, I they am... said they, there's a little bit of a hint at something because in Discovery they were talking about the Time Wars, so that would be an yeah. excellent oh, new direction. Yeah, that's something that, that has been discussed um, a lot across all of Trek. So in it happened in Enterprise, but they also mentioned it in Voyager, the Temporal Wars. So mm-hmm. if this is something that we might actually get to see now because it's only been discussed and that's it. And like, uh, whoo boy. If they're do you gonna think do they're going to jump series? Do you think they'll jump them over to Discovery? Or do you think they'll just jump them into their own thing? 
I think it's going to get its own thing. I think that like that'd be cool. I, I, again, too, you you bring Will Wheaton back for this. Like this is this is such a victory lap for him if it is because like I don't know how much you guys know about his history. Um, but like he never wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Like when he was a kid, this is this was all those like overbearing stage mother things. His mom forced him into this and he hated it and he hated her because this wasn't like, oh, you know, you'll thank me when you're an adult. No, like she was doing it to cash in on this. And like what's a shame about this is, is he was such a good actor as a kid, like in Stand By Me and Star Trek The Next Generation. He was fantastic. And like he grew to hate it because of that. And like so unfortunate. It really is. And like he wrote a book about this and about how his father just like treats him like utter garbage. And like really like it, I, I, I because I'm a, a fanboy, what can I say? Um, <laughs> I, I met him once when we were in Disney World. I met him. He was standing in line for the um, the Slinky Dog coaster in uh, Toy Story Land. And I <laughs> I told my wife, I was like, I think that's Will Wheaton. She's like, not every dude with a beard is Will Wheaton. I was like, no, that's totally Will Wheaton. <laughs> And like I, I checked his Instagram. I was like, see, he's in Orlando. And I went up to him and I was like, hey, are, are you Will Wheaton? He was like, yes, I am. I was like, oh, my God. And I gushed like a teenager. It was so bad because I I, I, I not idolize the guy, but like I look up to him because he had this awful relationship with his family and he stood up for himself and he stood up for what was right and for not getting treated like crap. And this is something that I've had to struggle with myself and seeing him do that. And reading his book, like it gave me the strength to do it too. And all I could come up with is, is I really love the work that you've done. That's all I said to him because I couldn't say anything else because I was too tongue tied. And Mm -hmm. like the fact that he's getting this moment in the sun, the fact that he gets to write his own narrative and that if he comes back to acting, this is on his terms. That's amazing. See, I really want you to have, like I can imagine you having this, intense gushing of family secrets in the line for the slinky dog ride i i mean we were literally we were literally about to get on the ride so i didn't have time um so <laughs> I, he took a picture with me i have a picture of it um i'll, I'll send it to you guys that's so, you guys so can sweet see but it was also that's like awesome. 100 it was also like 100 degrees in florida so i'm all sweaty and my hair's all matted against my forehead so it's just a mess but like <laughs> Yeah, like, and I, I gushed all of this, and I told him this on Facebook, like, on his Facebook profile. Like, I was like, thank you so much, Will Wheaton, you're the best, and, like, it was, it was real bad. So <laughs> well, here's to Will. Yeah. Yeah, amen to that. Um, BJ, what was your favorite thing about Picard? <sighs> I mean, really, I think my favorite was, was Will Wheaton. That was, that was such a takeaway and such a surprise. I also enjoyed Guinan's character. I enjoyed that whole flow and I enjoyed her portrayal. I enjoyed getting to see her in these different stages and I thought that was just a lot of fun. I think my favorite in terms of just throughout the whole season was uh, Jurati. Jurati and, mm-hmm. and, and our lovely OG Borg Queen come in. Like they just, they they crushed it. They were really, really good for me. Um, I think my other biggest thing though about it was I was a little disappointed. We had to say goodbye to Rios. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. I wanted like I that that was where like I wanted to see uh, Rios and Seven in their own uh, you know just like capacity like I don't know if he was going to join up with Rangers and that like they could be their own spinoff thing or something but but you know his story came to its its sort of conclusion it feels like it's done anyway so um, adios Santiago Cabrera but I was really I was, I was a little sad about that well maybe they'll recruit yeah. him for the temporal wars. 
<laughs> just put everyone in that we love. I one of the things that, and, and I'll get get into this in more detail later when I have my my piece that I speak of, but um, just overall, they they do this they do an excellent job with taking characters that we knew from previous series and adding depth to them that was not I wouldn't say appropriate appropriate is the wrong word, but like wasn't of the time wasn't appropriate at that time. So they did it with seven. Um, they did it with Picard. They did it with Q like they're modernizing these characters and it's just fantastic. And again, I'll go into more detail later, but um, yeah, like I, I was sad to see Rios go. Um, the, the Jurati slash board queen thing. I thought it was interesting, but I got a ton of questions about that. And they're mostly like, <laughs> they're mostly like turbo nerd questions like about like, what does this mean for the Borg? Like, does this mean that like, because the other question that I have is, is like, did once she stole La Serena, did she go back to the 24th century or did she just go to the Delta quadrant of the 21st century and build the Borg from there? Cause if that's the case and that changes everything and the Borg that we know are not the Borg that we know, like there's so many like time questions right now that like, I'm, I, I need, I need more. I need to understand exactly what happened. I agree with that um, as well. And that's that I think that's a part of where there were still some things left open that like, I guess, I guess maybe I didn't feel as upset about things that left open knowing a season three is coming and knowing that they're they're going. I at least I'm assuming I'm having faith they're going to address a lot of those things. But but that whole thing was just wild. I think my jaw was a little on the floor of like, we're really going to just leave this with they've got temporary Federation status and and like. It all worked from there. Like, wait, whoa, 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 come on, come on. I want to, I want to, like, no, don't, don't just leave it with sort of feeling like everything was, ah, at ease for a moment. And and I they kind of did. So that was a little, that was a little weird. They they submitted because... their request. They weren't like Picard doesn't have the authority to right. grant right. them their request. So yeah, this is the greatest could... enemy that the the Federation has ever faced. <laughs> and it's just like, I... hey, we're good now. Oh, you are. Oh, well then, forget it. Yeah, we're good. We're, we're buds now. Like they just Gold became goalies for the rando thing happening over goalies. here. Like, wait a minute, what? Goalies. I love that. You know the the person who played Gerardi, she was in The Goon, which is a hockey movie that I like to watch oh, every now and then. Again. I love that movie. Yeah, she was yes. the girlfriend. There's a there's a line in that movie that like I unexpectedly hit me really really hard. It's when Leave Schreiber is talking to Sean William Scott, and he goes, "Everybody loves the soldier until they get home from war," and mm. I was like. Dude, what? Like, Ooh. that was, yeah, that was a powerful, powerful line that I was not expecting. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. All right. Let's talk really briefly about Strange New Worlds. Thoughts? Emotions? Okay, I have notes. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I want to start with is I love what they're doing with Christopher Pike. Because they, they're not just taking this thing that happened in Discovery and leaving what happened in that episode and just leaving it there. Um, him grabbing the time crystal and seeing his fate. And they, they don't just leave it there. Because typically, that's what Star Trek did. Is mm -hmm. characters would have emotions. These big, like life-changing things would happen. And the next episode, they don't even talk about it. And like this is something that's constantly on his mind. And... I love that it's been a huge focal point up to this point of this uh, of this series. My other point, um, Spock 
That is one smooth dude. <laughs> that line when he's with, oh my God, when he's talking to his, his fiance and she says, like he's, she's talking about space and she goes, there's nothing out there that's better than what's on Vulcan. And he goes, perhaps you need to show me. I'm like, this dude has got the juice. Like what the hell? <laughs> like that was the slickest line I've ever heard. And then he's just prancing around with no shirt on and Pike calls him. He's like, are you naked? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I, I can't express to you to how, excited I am to see the Enterprise. It sounds dumb because Star Trek is Star Trek regardless of the ship, but there's something about that ship. And like, we get to see it. And the new version that they have is beautiful. And like, this is important to me because in every iteration of, of new Trek, I always ask, where's the Enterprise? I'm always wondering. Like in Picard, where is it? Who's captain? Like, I want to know all of this stuff. And but this was my first love, you know? This is how I got into Star Trek, was seeing the Enterprise and and and, and falling in love with this ship uh, and its adventures. And the fact that it's back is, is just outstanding. I love how diverse the crew is, man. I love that the pilots for this ship, the helm, I would say helm, helms person, I guess, helmsman was the term. I don't, I'm not even sure how, what the correct term for that is. Pilot. Both female. Yeah, the pilot, the two pilots. <laughs> They're both female. I love it. They're both women. They're both they're both badass women too. Like I'm loving that Ortegas. Ortegas yes. is awesome. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number one female. There's two number one females. Yes. They're both, they're both women. <laughs> they're both women and they're both badasses. And Pike like doesn't. It, it's not a thing. It's not like a hey, take a look at how diverse my crew is. You know, I'm checking off all my E and O boxes for Starfleet. No, like he's got the right people. That's why they're there. It has no, he doesn't care about that. And he's the type of leader for anybody who's worked in government or military or any any aspect like that. Or I, honestly, I guess it doesn't just apply there. It applies everywhere. He's the type of leader that inspires greatness from people. He's not one of those people that's like, oh, God, I'm afraid I'm going to fail him. And he's going to yell at me and scream at me and call me all sorts of horrible names and make me feel like a, a horrible human being. I feel like if you mess something up, Pike's going to be the first person that's there with an arm, like a hand on your shoulder saying, hey. It's okay. We're all human. You'll do better next time because we're going to work on this to make you even better. Like he just, well, he, he did exudes that. that. He did that for Una because really she kind of messed up and is there on that planet. Like I was surprised. He's like, yeah, let's yeah. go. And we're not going to yeah. talk about how you got yourself in this position in the first place. No, because he trusts his people. Right. BJ. Would he, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was just really fun. Um, I agree with you. I think the characters are are already just proving to have such dynamicism to each of them. Like it just, I thought we got bits of personality right away, which is super fun. Um, I feel like they have the right chemistry going for what the new Trek has tried to achieve, even mm -hmm. through the movies. But it's also got the balance of the the aesthetic appeal of everything CW does with every unfortunate DC iteration and Riverdale <laughs> and all of that. Like it's, it's really good writing. It's really fun sequences. It's really good acting. And it's all still really visually appealing. Um, I I'm, I'm just all in for it. Yeah. I thought it was a great first episode. It's really cool thinking of the enterprise as a character. I, I really feel that in well-written stories, the setting can be a character. And mm -hmm. I think we have that. And that's 
probably, Mike, why you responded so viscerally to it, which, by the way, that set they were building around the actors. Um, if you watch The Ready Room, which God love Will Wheaton, he's given us so many um, sneak peeks and backgrounds and information about all of this in his Ready Room episodes. Um, his episode after the last episode of Picard, he talks, he gives this magnificent clip that talks all about strange new worlds. And one of the things they discussed was the set was not fully built when they were filming and they're still building on and, and they're asking the the actors, you know, what other parts of the enterprise do you want to see realized on television? Um, so so cool. I, yeah, I can't wait because, you know, there's so oh. much, so much literature out there. Um, I can't wait to see what other glimpses we get of this whole world within the enterprise. I wonder if they heard our previous conversation where I was advocating for crew and all of the uh, upper powers that be to work with their actors on putting oh. things together. Um, I, hopefully they got that from us. They're very welcome. <laughs> I think there's there's a certain amount of truth to that, though, BJ, because it's something that Marvel does. Marvel listens mm -hmm. to their fans and mm -hmm. makes changes accordingly. But I'm starting to see the Star Trek does too, because one of the biggest complaints that people had about Star Trek, uh, the new, or new Trek as they love to call it, is that it was this new like we're going to tell one big long story in um in like what eight, ten, twelve episodes, mm -hmm. and with Star Trek um, Strange New Worlds, they're not doing that, mm -hmm. and that's that's interesting. They're listening to their fans. They're trying different things, and I think that that's the important part, you know. What is to quote Star Trek because that's the kind of nerd that I am. At one point, when the Enterprise comes back to space dock in Star Trek Three, uh, they're talking about the uh, Excelsior and how it's going to have trans warp drive. And Scotty makes some you know flippant remark where he goes, you know, you you know, hey, if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a wagon. And Kirk looks at him and he goes, he goes, come down, Mister Scott, young young minds, fresh ideas. Let's be tolerant. Mm. That's what this is. This is new yeah. track, man. Young, young minds, fresh ideas. Let's let's see what they can do. Yeah. One one thing they've continued though with this that they had in Discovery is theater people in the cast because guess what? Celia Rose Gooding, who plays Uhura, played Frankie in Jagged Little Pill on Broadway and has one hell of a voice. Mm. Yes. Oh, Mariah, are you in for a treat for the second episode? Oh, really? BJ, you haven't seen it either. No, you're in boy, for oh such boy. a treat. Does she uh, sing? Does she sing? Such a treat. I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you. All right, but, well, I'm, um, I'm doing it as soon as this is done. Let me make it clear. Let me make it clear. The music has a huge part in the second episode. You will both enjoy it in fact so much so that it was one of my notes to discuss but i'm not going to talk about it so you guys oh, can see it i can't even like that's that's a that that's going to be its own like long dissertation of mine on on what the trek versus be doing with music is is blowing my mind <laughs> yeah it, it's one of those things where you know how like um the meme going around right now is like it'll show something it doesn't matter what it is and then the, like if somebody nails something it says this person understood the assignment yeah um <laughs> The new people who are working on Trek understand the assignment. They understand what it is. They understand what yeah. the soul of this thing is. Because the stories that they're doing, these are Star Trek stories, 100%. And they know what the soul of this property is. And you can see that in that first episode. Because it's like, prime directive, well, we can't do anything. But 
can't we? <laughs> and like they they get it and they understand the importance of having leaders that know that the rules are there for a reason, but at the same time, sometimes you gotta break the rules to save people's lives. And you know, like that's incredibly powerful. Akiva Goldsman in that clip from the Ready Room really encapsulated that fantastic understanding of what Star Trek is um, and that feeling that it evokes. And he said, I wrote it down. So hang on, let me get my paper. <clears throat> Ultimately, Star Trek is at its heart optimistic and foot forward when it comes to the future. And that includes, yeah. you know, saving your people and, and bending the rules when they need to be because that optimism drives creative thinking. Oh, yeah. I mean, and think of mm -hmm. what happened on that planet. Oh, we can't interfere. But we already did because mm -hmm. we had to save the galaxy from control before control obliterated all sentient life. And in us doing that, they saw this and we interfered. Incidentally, we didn't mean to. So now we have to fix this. We've got to do something about this and we've got to do something now. And the way he handled it um, by showing them, hey, look, don't make the same mistakes that my people did. Gosh, don't, that scene. Don't be us. Yeah. Oh, with the picture of the noose and oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Like that was, it was that was visceral, <laughs> but it but yeah. it needed to be it needed to be done. And it I guarantee you. Yeah, I guarantee you there are people because it, it still baffles me that there are, are people who are like, when did Trek become so political? I think there's a meme every yeah. day on Star Trek shit posting about it, as there should be. Oh, 100%. 100%, yeah. There <laughs> definitely is, yeah. BJ, you wanted to talk about the short treks. And listeners, we're going to weave back in around talking about um, Picard and Strange New Worlds as we go along. But I want to make sure we get in the topics that the panelists have come up with. So, BJ, your topic was, and I quote, you messaged me, Short treks, oh shit, short treks. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Listeners, we remember, remember, we told him he needed to see short treks, and I think he completed the assignment. Last time on FedCon, uh, we established <laughs> that I wasn't even aware of short treks. Um, and, and I've got to say that I, I do fault um, the algorithms of Amazon Prime Video for that because, come on, y'all, I've been searching everything Star Trek and you never thought to even suggest the short treks. Um, and it took a few <laughs> views before they finally even put it in my like recurring things to continue watching. So, um, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was, you know, already feeling so enamored with with Star Trek Discovery, especially, and where it's all been going. And then the short treks, like, just, oh, shit. I, I, I've watched them all at least four times at this point, and, and it's now my new, like, Bible verses that I just go to these things at night of, all right, I'm just going to rewatch Runaway. Aww. All right, I'm just going to revisit The Brightest Star. Um, like, I, 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 I love them, and I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with these. I love shorts, um, and, and and so I think it's a part of where I feel like they're all so brilliantly jammed, packed, and like my next iteration is going to be to now go back and watch them in the chronological order to coincide with the episodes of Discovery and Picard that they happen around, and it's so great that Strange New Worlds is starting now because that ties into some of it too. Um, I'm just I'm obsessed with these. I 
kept losing my mind a little bit. I thought, you know, I mean, I can't ever get enough from the way it starts with more of Tilly. Um, and then getting the backstory on Poe, I was just like, oh, shit, this makes that whole thing that happens in the season with it even better. Um, so, like, it was just mind blown, mind blown. Um, I was crying like wild during Calypso because Funny Face mm. is hands down my most favorite movie musical and no one ever knows of it because everyone knows funny girl but no one's ever heard of funny face and i i mean i was i was literally screaming and the dogs were very concerned because <laughs> i couldn't believe that anyone was referencing it let alone zora and just the whole way that episode plays out uh, with um, I forget his name, but but the the captain that's there and and their whole like oh my gosh it was just uh, it, it was incredible, I was I was weeping at the end of it, um, amazing to see more on Saru and and his story and coming into things, um, and then Rain Wilson so freaking brilliant with doing the direction, starring in and um, having a hand in the music for his episode of The Escape Artist. Um, I I am levels up on being a Rain Wilson fan simply from that that brilliant short that, that he put together. And then it just got even better when it got into the, the second season of it all. Um, and I didn't watch these in the order that they came out because, again, Prime Video, get your algorithms together. Um, <laughs> but Children of Mars, um, just like, had me weeping um, because we've all been there with with absolute tragedy and even moments when you might be at odds with someone and then something bigger happens and it changes everything. Um, I think I watched The Girl Who Made the Stars the most. Um, and much like every time I watch Speed Racer, by the time it's ending, I am just weeping. Um, and then the the great little uh, animated one on uh, Ephraim and Dot was super, super cute. Um, <laughs> and H. John Benjamin getting to see him as uh, a, a real person and not just as the voice of Sterling Archer. Um, it was really, <laughs> really fun in the trouble with, I'm so used to seeing him as Archer or as Carl or as Bob, but it was like, hey, look at you being you and <laughs> still being just now a even worse version of you. It was really, really fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I'm i I'm obsessed with these short treks. Like they're, they're, they're everything to me. And I really, really hope they pick up with doing more of them. Um, I know they stopped because of the pandemic. Um, and so I hope that they do continue with that series, especially since some of them were even like Emmy Award nominated and stuff. Um, and then just kind of bringing it back to the music. I love that there are more themes and variations in the music for short treks um, and that it plays on everything else that ties into it from Discovery to Picard to Strange New Worlds. Um, and that's where, you know, as you were talking about music, Mike, I got to give props to uh, Michael Giacchino, who oversaw all of the music production for the short treks. Um, he's also worked with Jeff Russo, who does the music for uh, Discovery and Picard. Um, and so I'm just I'm I'm absolutely loving everything about the Trekverse right now. Oh, shit. These short treks and everything they're doing musically just blew it out the water for me even more. I really feel like someone is stalking my dreams or my profile and they're writing the show for me and I'm all for it. Whoever's doing it, please keep doing it. I appreciate being stalked by such high level people. Um, <laughs> that's oh, your enthusiasm makes me so fucking happy. And 
I've, and, I've been enamored with it. I love it. Your real-time texts, um, I'd love to post them on our Insta, um, if that's all right. Um, oh, yeah, please do. By the way, listeners, we have an Insta now. It is yeah. Federation Conversations. That's it. Super easy. Look us up. Um, Federation Conversations. Now on Insta. So, but to quote, ah, funny face is fav is favorite fucking classic movie musical with a whole bunch of exclamation points. I've never felt like a show was so literally made for me. Isn't that so amazing? And Akiva Goldsman in that episode, by the way, he said, um, I hope you feel like you're not alone. And I think just what you're expressing, BJ, is part of that. And it makes me happy. Yeah. It, oh, oh, man. I, I literally was like looking around my house of just like, am I being punked? Did someone set this up? Even I, I, just, I couldn't believe it. I can't believe it. I love that. Um, okay. I'm going to do my topic. And it's basically a 180 from the feelings you're expressing. So hang on tight, okay? A few weeks ago, about when this podcast hit three and a half thousand subscribers, thank you very much, dear listeners, I was told the following by a 40-something cis male, quote, you don't look like someone who would like Star Trek, end quote. Now, I've faced something similar to this situation when a business bigwig told me he didn't know how the skills gained from my experience in children's theater would translate into the business world. And I very smoothly in the moment said, well, sir, I'm very good with people and I'm an excellent writer and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. I'm pretty proud of how I handled that. But this time when Mr. So-and-so said, you don't look like someone who would like Star Trek, all I said was very meekly, I have a podcast. As if that was proof of my right to exist in geekdom. Well, sir so-and-so, even though you're probably not listening, I've had a few weeks to come up with a few things to say to you. First of all, what the hell does that mean? What does a person who likes Star Trek look like to you? Now, dear listener, I'm petite, cute, 40 years old, long curly brown hair with a silver streak in it. I wear business professional clothes in public. I have a wedding ring, blue eyes, and three teenagers. And I don't look like a lot of things that I actually am. I don't look like a bisexual Catholic mom of a high school graduate and a wife of a cis male. I don't look like I have a BA in theater and a master's in marketing. I don't look like I read Stephen King and listen to Outcast and Dungeon Family. I don't look like I have PTSD, ADHD, or an exceptionally brilliant intellect. I am a visual conundrum. So now, good sir, who says I don't look like a geek, how dare you insult Trekkies? I think I look pretty outstanding, and why wouldn't you think Trekkies can look outstanding? By the way, Trekkies are everywhere. According to CheatSheet.com, the following people are in fact Trekkies. Tom Hanks, Rihanna, Daniel Craig, Ben Stiller, Mila Kunis, and even Angelina Jolie, among others. We are everywhere, and we don't take kindly to misguided assumptions about appearances and putting people in boxes. So the next time you say, you don't look like dot, 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 double check yourself because you're about to say something that says more about you and your lack of imagination than the person to whom you are speaking. And rant. 
Well done. Bravo. Thank you. Bravo. Well said. Well said for all of us. By the way. That was very pretty. Um, I practiced the speech a couple of times and I practiced it for my 18 year old. And she said, I didn't know Rihanna was a Trekkie. And then under her breath in a very teenage manner, she referred to this ubiquitous nature of Trekkie fandom by saying, it's like a disease. And I had to laugh. Oh. I had to laugh because it was so hard. She's not a fan of Star Trek. We made the mistake of um, starting with Wrath of Khan with this generation. It doesn't work. It doesn't <laughs> convert them. So, um, oh, yeah. So we've That's actually awesome. created anti-fans, unfortunately, I think. So. <laughs> How do they not like Wrath of Khan? You know, we may have hyped it up too much. We may have, like, basically said it was God. Um Ah, yeah, that'll do it. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's our fault. Yeah, totally well, especially us. when you, especially when you have a, a a Spanish actor with the thickest of Spanish accents, uh, playing an Indian Sikh. Um, yeah, no, I could see, <laughs> I could see where that's an issue. It may not hold up with that for um for these youth. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the spirit of this rant, um, dear listeners, send us pics of you in your normal everyday life. Um. And we'll post it and start a campaign, you know, they don't look like Trekkies, uh, just to show people that we're everywhere and it's a beautiful thing. And Trekkie fandom is, um, as they say in that clip from the Ready Room, it's a cultural institution. I, uh, my, the one that I love dropping on people is amazing guitar virtuoso of Rage Against the Machine fame. Tom Morello is also a Trekkie. Yeah, he was he was actually in an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, snap. What? Yeah, buddy. That's Oh man, I, I had, go back and find that. Yeah, I'll find I'll find it for you guys and I'll I'll, I'll just share it with you. Mike. My turn. My turn. Yes, Mike sent me uh modernizing classic characters through New Trek and mind you, new is spelled N U. Cuz that's how the haters spell it. That's how all the angry <laughs> old men spell it. This isn't my track. Cool. Don't watch it. <laughs> I'm I'm at this weird crossroads where I'm both old and young. I'm 40. I um, like our captain, uh, Captain Beachboard. <laughs> I also am a purveyor of the gray hair. Uh, some might call me a silver fox. If you wanted to, that's cool. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> um, I, I'm in a I'm a weird in a weird spot where a lot of the media that I consumed as a younger person is older media. I love old Trek. I really do. Um, especially the movies. I, I, I've I've said on these airwaves before how much I how much those mean to me. The the first six Star Trek movies were just the best. I grew up on the next generation. But what I'm loving about what the news Trek series are doing, Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Discovery. They're taking these characters that we already knew, or at least we thought we knew, from these interpretations that we got from the 70s, 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. They're taking these characters and they're fully fleshing them out. I want to remind everybody who's complaining that they don't like this new Trek. They don't like these long serialized stories. They don't like this. They don't like that. Whatever it is that Star Trek was created the way it was because there was for a long time of its existence, there was no such thing as DVR 
or VCRs or TiVo or anything like that where you could record and watch the episodes at your leisure. You had to be there. It was appointment television. You had to be there. Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. on your local channel, you had to be there to watch it. So in order to keep people invested in the stories, they had to have these time, these these bottle episodes where everything was reset at the beginning of the episode. Here's your people. Here's your problem. Here's how you solve it. Boom. But technology has evolved. We can tell longer stories because you can watch an entire series sometimes in a matter of days as opposed to months. So because of that, we're able to do more things with storytelling, which is fantastic. But more importantly, it doesn't have to be with new characters. We're going to use everybody's favorite, supposed to be French, but has a British accent, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> we all thought we knew who this character was, right? Like everybody was pretty sure who Jean-Luc Picard was. He was kind of stuffy. He was kind of mean kind of emotionless, would just yell at you if you mess something up, but then would also give these really eloquent speeches about people's rights. The Measure of a Man, that is the episode from season two where he defends Data's right to exist, that he is sentient life, because they're trying to take Data and disassemble him so that they can create more and have an android on every single starship in the Federation. That's, he, he said, no, you cannot do that. He is not property. He is a person. He has Thoughts. He has like um, not emotions, but he has like wants and desires. He's all these things that make sentient life. And he won that case that that's the kind of person that he is. But as we start learning too, this is the same guy who was kind of a womanizer in his academy days that he got in a fight with Nausicans at one point and like basically stood up to Nausicans, which are huge aliens. And he got stabbed through the back, through his chest. And when he saw the the knife sticking through his chest, what did he do? He laughed. That was Jean-Luc Picard. And that, we learn these things. We, we, we flesh these characters out. But then when we get into the new Trek, we find out that him being assimilated by the Borg was horribly traumatic. In Star Trek The Next Generation, you got maybe two episodes. There was the episode immediately following The Best of Both Worlds where he sees his brother. They have this fight, this long, drag, dragged-out fight in the mud, and then he breaks down and cries and talks about how he wasn't strong enough to resist the assimilation from the Borg. And then after that, there's maybe two other episodes in the entire series that discuss that trauma. And there's hundreds of episodes after that. That's not realistic. That's not how human beings function. And they've fixed that with Star Trek Picard. When he gets on that Borg cube in season one and he has a, an anxiety attack and almost falls and then Hugh saves him, like that shows that they're showing that these characters are more human. They're more human now than they were when we saw them on TV when we were kids. They're doing the same thing with Q because I talked about it earlier. It was kind of a, a gripe that I had. That, like, we never really understood what Q was, other than he's Loki. He's just this mischief maker. He's this troublemaker. He's the god of, of, of mischief. And then we find out why he's always, quote-unquote, picking on Picard. Why is he so fascinated by Jean-Luc Picard? Because he saw something in this character. He saw greatness. He, he saw this person that was broken, and he wanted to help them. That's why he kept testing him, because he saw better from him. And that was amazing. They're doing the same thing with, with Strange New Worlds. That's the one that's getting me the most. Christopher Pike was nothing. Like, to be clear, he was in a pilot episode 
of the original series that didn't get taken, and then they replaced him with um, William Shatner, with, with uh, James T. Kirk. We only saw him in the menagerie where he was crippled, unfortunately, and put in a wheelchair and was unable to talk. And that was it. That was all we ever knew. Then we saw him in the reboot, uh, the J.J. Abrams ones, and they started to flesh this character out. We saw who he was. They're now doing that with him. And instead of shying away from this thing that the original series did that kind of like iceboxed him, just like shoved him in a corner, they're like, no, we're going to lean into that and we're going to make that part of this character because he's so much more than just this one thing. And it's been fantastic. They're making these characters that were very two-dimensional and they're making them real. They're making them people instead of stereotypes, instead of cliches. Like Jean-Luc Picard, I actually understand why he's kind of a jerk now. Because it was he was never a jerk. He was just standoffish. He hated children. Why did he hate children? Well, now you see why. Picard explained that. And like that's that's what we need. We need stories that are gonna tell us compelling reasons why people are the way that they are instead of just well you know he's strong and he's male and they don't talk about their emotions no that's not going to work and they show you that if you do that that it's going to cause problems throughout your entire life so i'm all for this i'm so glad this is what they're doing and ultimately if you're an old school fan if you've been around for a while and you're not liking what this is i'm not going to chastise you i'm not going to tell you like you're wrong and you're bad but Maybe take a step back and really analyze why it is you feel the way that you do. You're stuck. The world's going to evolve whether you want it to or not. And especially with something like Star Trek that has such important messages for not just white cis males, for everybody. Star Trek is for everyone, not just white cis males. Well done to both of you. Thank you. Oh, no, that was all for you, sir. Thank you. It was great. <laughs> that was <laughs> great. All right. So while we're simmering, because like I, I really have to simmer on all the all the fantastic things you just said, we're going to play a word association game. I have a list, a different list for both of you of words and we're going to do a rapid fire and you just tell me the word that comes to mind when I say this word. So BJ, we'll go first with you. Is that, is that all right? Will you play? Let's play. All right. All right. Crusher. Ouch. <laughs> Rebel. Michael. Borg. Comply. Ale. Frequencies. Batteries. Uh, pass. <laughs> <laughs> Transporter accident. <laughs> I love that your first thought is sound effect. Um, alcohol. Uh, oh gosh. Um. 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 Oh, Picard wine. <laughs> mm. Uh, three more. Warrior. Uh, uh, Klingons. Taylor. Say that one again. Taylor, like someone who makes clothes. Holodeck. Excellent. And Hoth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the laugh. That's my, that's my. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for playing. Mike, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Q. PID. Computer. 
Locate commander data. <laughs> <laughs> Animal. Um, is this, just to refresh on the rules, it is all Star Trek based, right? So whatever Star Trek thing pops into my head first. I promise nothing. Whatever. Oh, you promise nothing. I promise okay, nothing. Okay, so. Well, I'm staying in Star Trek realm. I think Animal, I think of that old episode of the original series where they had the dog dressed up in a costume as an alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uhura. Um, wow. Why did my brain just go there? Hot. <laughs> That's normal. Pilot. Nice. Detmer. Lightsaber. Awesome. <laughs> Holodeck. Um, Moriarty. Strong. <laughs> Strong? Mm-hmm. Janeway. Journal. Captain's log. T. Earl Grey. Hot. Very good. Hi and the last one is hypospray. Um Dr. Crusher. Excellent. Thank you for playing. Yeah, I apologize. Actually, I don't apologize for um I threw in two Star Wars words to totally throw you off. One was Hoth and the other, of course, was lightsaber. So thank you. That's for what I was like, oh, oh, okay. I'm glad I'm glad my brain wasn't as bad as I thought on that. Good to know. <laughs> there was a time. <laughs> there was a time in the early days of GGR where I wrote a Star Trek Star Wars crossover. Did you really? Yes, I did. Nice. It was it was not good. Um <laughs> it, it basically it had um it had the Enterprise E. Um, it, it's essentially like first contact. It starts with the whole, like the Borg, like trying to as assimilate something and trying to go back in time. But instead of in time, it goes to a different galaxy, a galaxy far, far away. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and the enterprise runs into, um, the millennium Falcon and the X wing right as they're leaving Tatooine at the end of return of the Jedi. But the Borg got shot across the galaxy and they run across the death star and the death star obliterates the Borg cube but some of the Borg beamed off the Borg cube and they assimilate the Death Star and turn. Um, basically, the, the Borg queen convinces Darth Vader to join the Borg because she is the master manipulator, as we've seen. She basically is like, you're going to let this dude, this emperor, treat you like a slave, knowing exactly what Anakin was as a kid and knows that that will trigger him. So they both kill the emperor and she starts turning him back into Anakin using like their cool like cybernetic stuff and like gives him like like he's basically more of a badass and like Luke ends up saving the day because he's Luke because Luke's awesome and uh yeah it was fun Mike I'm totally here for this okay hang on let me see like, if I can find I'll, I'll see we, if I can we find need to it. do okay. a live reading of this like this is incredible yeah oh well then we're gonna do it this is this is our new project yes that's on, fantastic that it. sounds fun yeah, yeah. Let me. Yeah. Let me I see. I thought it was cheesy. Hang on. Let me see. Now I'm trying to figure out this like Voyager Star Wars music, you know, merger thing that happens in there. I love this show. Continue. <laughs> yeah we're definitely gonna have to look into that I love yeah no that sounds so brilliant hang on <laughs> hang on i'm looking for it i'm looking for it crossover okay hang on i also did a batman iron man crossover because i thought they were the same character basically like <laughs> yeah hang on let me see if i can find it well we have a few extra minutes while mike uh does his 
computer search. And one of the topics I was toying with broaching um, is these shows are talking about how to die well, which strikes me as such an important topic because we all die and we all have the gift of knowing that we're going to die, which means that everything we do in our life has meaning and value. So asking the question, how are you going to die well and with whom will you die? I think that's a fantastic and worthy um, way to look at life. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek talks about this a lot in Star Trek two, um, as the resident his, uh, Star Trek historian, um, <laughs> Kirk says to Savick on the, after she failed the Kobayashi Maru, he says, well, how we deal with death is just as important as how we deal with life. Wouldn't you say? Mm, I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I think the problem, and it's not a problem. Let me be clear. I, th I think the issue that a lot of people run into and it sucks because anybody who has had to deal with tragic loss knows that sometimes there's no reason why. And you will rack your brain and you will pour your heart out and you will search your soul for answers to things that don't exist. And it sucks. It's the worst. I'll use my own personal experience. My mom um, died of cancer in 2014 um, before she was 60. Uh I didn't think that before I turned 40 years old, I was going to have to deal with not having my mom. And it's not like we had this great relationship where we were best friends and we hung out all the time. Like we hated each other at various points, but we were working on it. And it, it feels there's no reason for that. Did she did she deserve that? No, no one deserves that. And it's it's our human nature to want to try to explain the world and try to have a reason for everything. But sometimes there's not. And I think that that's one of the great things about media is that media can do this. Media can give it a reason because I don't know about y'all. I know that realistic depictions of things are fantastic sometimes, but oftentimes when I watch media, I just want to be distracted. I don't want realism. I want happy endings because life doesn't have happy endings. And giving these characters purpose and giving these characters their, their death means something is is important, I think. And because I don't want to see somebody that I've watched for 20 episodes, for 40 episodes, for years, for decades, die a meaningless death. I mean, that's a, that's a theme in Star Trek in Star Trek Generations. Um, Captain Kirk is consumed by the Nexus, saving the Enterprise B. But like. Picard talks him out of the nexus by saying, you can make a difference. We can save millions of lives together. And that's essentially what ends up convincing him to do it is making a difference. So it's a theme throughout the, throughout all of Trek. And it's an important one because I think that's ultimately when you really boil it down, isn't that what we all want? Don't we all want to make a difference? And I mean, that's definitely what, you know, at Picard season one finale, at Disco season four finale, re revisit, um, reiterate in different perspectives on on trying to balance that sense of what will you know what are you looking to have accomplished, not necessarily for yourself, but just for for this world and this planet by the time you're through and through, and 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 it's. You know, it, it's a part of what I think we we kind of agreed was almost a little gushy um, in some ways uh, in the first couple seasons through disco, where 
<laughs> we were getting too many monologues. It was almost hard to tell, you know, all right, is everyone about to die? Is no one going to die? But like, <laughs> but we were getting to really see more and more characters reflecting on the just the, if it's all done at this point, what has it been up to now and what will it mean beyond me? And 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 I think you're both right how, you know, this is such a difficult thing for us in society to really take in and digest and communicate and talk about. Um, and at the same time, it's imperative for us to be doing it more and more. And, you know, if the hashtag being still in a pandemic doesn't get people thinking about that uh, at this point, I'm not sure what else what else will. Um, but it's it's so important. Um, it's so important for us to be able to have that mindfulness on on on, like you said, on, on dying well and on understanding what is it that <laughs> that we're trying to to be a part of. That that doesn't you know necessarily mean someone's going to remember us for it, but that we can rest assured that we we did something for it. Well, and whoever contemplates that a god can die, and I think having Q die really elevates that occurrence of death and and shows us a way of of loving. You know, when it's our time to go, you know, if you have the opportunity to choose who you're going to die with and who you're going to tell. Um, your last words to like what a privilege that is and he got to do that yeah I didn't even think about that that aspect of it I still wish we could understand why he was dying but again that's part of it sometimes you don't and it doesn't matter no it doesn't that's the most human part of it nicely put you you understood the assignment Um, (laughs) (laughs) all right I I yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was. I wasn't. I'm sorry. You go ahead. I found the article. Yay! Yay! Hey, so, so email it to me, and let's do a reading of it exactly as it is. Um, yes. And let's promise that to our listeners that we're going to do a fun, maybe Zoom recording yeah. of Ooh. reading this in real time, exactly as it is. Are you up for that, Mike? I'm always down for. Living back my drama days of high school. Yes, please. Um, I'm looking at all of these. Like I've got um, the sprinting zombies from 28 Days Later versus Humanity in the Future versus Terminators. So that's a three-way Holy shit. <laughs> um, I, did, I did aliens like the Xenomorphs versus Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Star Trek versus Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How much fun would that be? Just a great form of fanfic subgenre. I feel yeah. like you just gave me the first season, the inaugural season of the Floston Extravagance Cabaret series. <laughs> so, you know, let's let's talk. Look, I'm not saying I can sing, but I'm saying I will try. And I'm so. saying I'll help you try. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Do this. <laughs> I am so happy right now. All right. Well, the Starfleet Theater Ensemble is going to form shortly, and uh, it's going to uh, take on these... Uh, Floston Extravagance Cabaret Productions. I'm like internally squealing right now, and I don't want to do that into the mic because I like our listeners. This is going to be fantastic. (laughs) On that note, we're going to end here. Dear listeners, don't forget that we have an an email now. We have Federation Conversations at Gmail, and we also have an Insta. Send me your pictures of you in real life being an actual Trekkie so that we can tell those who say, you don't look like a Trekkie, um, to beat feet and go away. With that being said, in real life, 
Mike Lunsford is editor-in-chief, podcaster, graphic artist, and writer at Great Geek Refuge. He's also hard at work in raising the next generation of nerds and faithfully posts his meals on Insta. (laughs) William B.J. Robinson is a queer, black, and Puerto Rican arts educator based in San Diego, as well as an actor, composer, and church choir director. BJ is also creator and host of Tough Talk, a platform that focuses on getting comfy with the uncomfortable through community conversations. He is also host of KPBS Arts, a local PBS TV show about arts and culture across the U.S., And by the way, he's in a show called Panda Musical, which he wrote. It's in San Diego. If you have the opportunity to go see it, please do. (laughs) For more info, just search at WillBJRob and or at Tough.Talk2020 on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and YouTube. Mariah Beachboard, that's me. I'm a playwright and podcaster for Great Geek Refuge. Also, I'm going to take a moment right here and now to say thank you to everyone at Fantasy Playhouse Children's Theater and Academy. I've just resigned from my position there as strategist for diversity and inclusion to focus on my creative work. Thank you to everyone at Fantasy Playhouse for all the once in a lifetime opportunities you gave to me. Keep on putting smiles on children's faces and I wish you all the best. Dear listeners, stay tuned for our next episodes featuring our Star Trek cabaret. Also, um, no, I already said that we have an email in Insta. I'm going to say it again. We have an email address in Insta just for this podcast. (laughs) Check it out. Drop by greatgeekrefuge.com to discover all the amazing happenings. And last of all, my dear friends, I pray you feel truly seen by those you love. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. So we're going to get started. Do this. Make it so. I keep, I keep getting ready to start, and you're not here. Make it so. <laughs> this has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs>